We are in John chapter 21, uh, and we are uh, we're getting close uh, here to the end. Um, you know, so, several of you said, well, what, what are we doing next? Well, I'll let you know. I'm still working on that. We're going to have Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, first of the year, and then we'll be, we'll be ready to see what our 2020 journey uh, is going to be like. So uh, looking forward to that. You know, two weeks from today, uh, we take our photo. 14th photo uh, together. So uh, make sure you're planning for that and uh, ready to be a part of that. Two weeks from today, uh, we'll be doing that on Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, all right, um, John 21 uh, is the final chapter of the Gospel of John, uh, and we'll kind of do a wrap-up next week. And what's happening in 21 is it's a meeting with Jesus. Jesus meeting with these disciples after they have failed him. Uh, John tells us it's the third time that Jesus has met with them after the resurrection. And this meeting with Jesus is so personal. And it tells you and me how we are to relate to Christ every day in our lives. Uh, Jesus is going to offer some statements, some commands, uh, one powerful question to us uh, in, these, in these moments as we look at it, uh, them uh, together. As I was thinking about these disciples and some of their struggles and relating that to us, uh, some words came back to me, uh, uh, something called, uh, and God said, if. If you never felt pain, then how would you know that I'm the healer? If you never went through any difficulty, how would you know that I'm a deliverer? If you never had a trial, how could you call yourself an overcomer? If you never felt sadness, how would you know that I'm a comforter? If you never made a mistake, how would you know that I'm forgiving? If you never were in trouble, how would you know that I could come to your rescue? If you never were broken, then how would you know that I can make you whole? If you never had a problem, how would you know that I can solve them? If you never had any suffering, then how would you know what I went through? If you never went through the fire, then how would you know that you could become pure? If I gave you all things, how would you appreciate them? If I never corrected you, how would you know that I love you? If you had all power, then how would you learn to be dependent on me? And if your life was perfect, then what would you need me for? A lot of that is kind of the spirit of John 21. It's a meeting with Jesus. Jesus shows up to meet and to talk uh, to these uh, disciples, to speak to them. You know, I believe there's some real value in what Jesus has to say to us this morning that can make a, a really profound difference in how we're living for him and how we're continuing uh, to grow uh, in him. So the disciples with Peter, under kind of the leadership of Peter, they are moving out to do some fishing together. And so we're going uh, to see in this story Peter and the others fishing as they step kind of back into their life. Uh, Jesus called them as fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We heard that long ago. And here they are fishing again um, as they come together. And Jesus meets with his disciples at the end of a long night of fishing, and he shares with them some thoughts, some commands that he can help them to rediscover some things about themselves and about uh, their purpose as he is speaking to them. So the scripture in John 21, we'll read these 25 verses. The scripture says, 
Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Didymus means twin, we looked at that last time, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the writer, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him who you are. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to him and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want to, him to remain alive until I return, what is it to, that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them had, were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. The final words of the Gospel of John. So what's happening here? Uh, Jesus comes along and he is, is walking on the beach and he sees these disciples of him, a group of them that are coming together uh, and fishing. Uh, the Bible tells us that they had been fishing all night. And so Jesus began. Now, what you notice here, 
is that there is sort of a lack of direction and purpose by these disciples. Like, what are they doing? Uh, they're out fishing. You can tell by the, by the conversation there that they are, they're, they're still trying to figure out. They've seen Jesus twice, but they don't really know what's going on or what they're supposed to be doing. For three years, they walk with him. And now Peter says, let's just go fish because I don't know what else to do. And so you can hear them saying, okay, we'll go with you. So they're, they're following him and there they are. They're out there fishing and Jesus has this desire to meet with them to kind of help them rediscover what it is, the main priorities that Jesus has in mind for them. Now, you remember that what we're talking about in this scripture is not saying, oh, that's interesting that he talked to Peter like that, or that's interesting that he talked to these disciples. No, he's talking to you and he's talking to me. The very things that the reason the story is here is to remind us that the very things that he was attempting to do in their lives is the very things that he's trying to do in our lives, in mine. So these disciples, they fished all night. They caught nothing. Um, they are wondering what to do. Um, y- you know, it, we all get in those places, don't we? Where we just figure out, where is my life going? What, what, what is supposed to be happening in my life right now? We sometimes call that like, like getting in a rut. You know, you just get in a rut. You know, the difficulty about a rut is that you can only go, you know, just the direction you're going. And a rut is, by its nature, is not turning to the left or the right. You're just kind of stuck in, in this spot. You don't feel a lot of purpose. You don't feel a lot of joy. Uh, the disciples are, are feeling that. They're feeling frustrated. Uh, they, had, they had a lack of purpose uh, in what they were doing in their life. Uh, And in this moment, Jesus gives them an explosion of new purpose. They went from a lack of purpose to immediate explosion of purpose. Um, You know, how does that come about? Well, Jesus says to them, throw your net on the right side. Throw your net on the right side. And what happened? They threw their net on the right side, and so many fish that, um, that came in, it was just overwhelming. The Bible tells us that they had 153. You might remember that this happened before. Uh, there was another time when Jesus calls out to them, and there were so many fish in that catch that the nets uh, were breaking. Um, you know, Jesus comes to help us. Aren't you glad that Jesus just doesn't show up and give us a little guidance in church on Sunday? You know, when you're out in your work, when you're out in your responsibilities, when you're out dealing with things in your life, I want you to know that Jesus cares about that as well. He, he's working, he's kind of drilling down in this passage, but he's starting out just talking. Notice the first thing he doesn't say is, you know, why aren't you guys praying more? You know, he doesn't say that. He's interested that they're frustrated in their fishing responsibility. So I don't know where you fish, you know, um, because he's not really talking just about fishing. He's talking about the work you do, the responsibilities that you have. And, And don't you sometimes feel like I'm just getting nothing done? It's just not going. I mean, it might not. Maybe maybe this was a great week, but next week. You know, right? Things are going along and, uh, you know, you're trying hard and you're working at it and you're doing your best and then yet yet you feel that frustration up all night, didn't catch anything. 
Isn't it great that Jesus has an idea about how to help them with the stuff that they're dealing with? And he comes up with an alternate. And he says, why don't you try to net on the other side? I'm sure they're feeling like, who is this talking to me? I mean, they're fishermen. They, they know what to do. They know where the fish are supposed to be. Just get it on the end. I love that Jesus has interest in me and is willing to give me wisdom about the things that are going on in my life. He has alternate ideas. He, you know what? I'm, I, get to be, I'm so, I get to be so much smarter than I really am because I walk around with him. You know, I do the best that I can. You know, I'm trying to work this out, trying to deal with the challenges that are there. You know, but what, what happens is I get wrapped up in thinking that I know how to do this. And then I say, whew, I'm feeling it's, it's going rough, Lord. I need, and, and do you know that he will give you an idea that you didn't have before? You can think, oh, man, I'm so smart. No, you're not. <laughs> The almighty God is interested in you so that you can catch fish. So you can have the ability to take care of your responsibilities and how to do I mean, this happens all the time. Doesn't it happen to you as a parent? I mean, you're dealing with this kid. It's like, what in the world? I just don't know what to do. But what you need to do is to ask Jesus to give you his perspective. His idea. I love this part of the story that he's helping us because it reminds us. I wrote a few things there for you. Um, just such a simple command that he gives. But he reminds us that failure and discouragement does not mean that you've lost your purpose or lost your way. You know, sometimes we get stuck and we just feel like I'm, I don't know, if, I don't know how, what I can do about this. But you haven't lost your purpose. Um, Jesus wants to give us the help and encouragement that he has for us. All throughout the Bible, you see these people that we read about in the Bible, Abraham and Moses and Paul and Peter and all of them that, uh, that had a sense of struggle or difficulty or doubt. Uh, but they hadn't lost their way. They just needed his guidance and his wisdom. That's what that little poem was telling you. If you didn't have all these problems, how would you know who he is and what he could do for you. Another thing about it is that the secret to success in living our life is not just trying harder. It's not just trying harder to do it. They, these guys cast their nets over and over and over again, and I'm sure they would have kept trying it, but that was the problem. They were trying to do maybe, maybe the wrong thing. They needed another idea. That's what Jesus does for us. Throw your nets on the other side. What does that mean? That means trust Jesus. It's not just trying harder, gritting our teeth. You know, sometimes we think the only options are try harder or give up. It's not true. Allow him to give you wisdom about how to, how to work out the struggles or the difficulties. Yeah, you know, sometimes the harder you try, the worse it gets. Try harder, give up. There's a third option. Do what Jesus says. Trust him. Let him flood you with new ideas and new wisdom. You know, the problem is not where we are, but who we're listening to. Notice Jesus didn't say, there's a bunch of fish in some other lake somewhere. You know, there's no, no, he says, just, just right on the other side, just right there, just right where you are. Um, the story doesn't teach us the disciples had to go somewhere else. They just had to respond to what Jesus was saying to them. You know, that's 
That's this level of obedience with him. A meeting with Jesus is that we are listening to him because the last point is we are never far from success when we permit Jesus to give the orders. Little amen there. That would help me right there. See, that's what made the difference here with the disciples. They let Jesus give the guidance. So if you're experiencing a struggle and feel like things just aren't going well and you feel like a lack of purpose, remember that Jesus has an idea. Jesus has wisdom. Jesus has direction. Let him be in charge. First thing he said to them. Second thing, oh, this is so exciting. Um, he, he comes along and he says... Did you notice there's a little fire? He's got this fire built there, a little charcoal fire, and he's got some fish on there and uh, some fish and bread that he's going to serve. Jesus is cooking breakfast. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I, I think it's so, there's so many little interesting things there. You know, Peter realizes who this is, and uh, it, does, it says that he jumped out of the boat and he put his outer gun. It's, it's basically like uh, he's been out there without his shirt on. Uh, and so, you know, for a Jew, meeting somebody like Jesus, it would have been inappropriate. So he, he wraps this shirt around him and goes running up there. And Jesus says, bring some of that fish. I mean, he's already got some fish. Uh, but he, he's, got, he's got enough started for them. And now he's asked them to bring some more fish along. So interesting there. So he invites them to come because he wants them to have uh, this real relationship with him. Oh, this touched me so much. Can, can you see him? Come and have breakfast with me. Come to this meeting with Jesus. I mean, one of the reasons this chapter is in the Bible is to show us how to have a relationship with the resurrected Jesus. I mean, it's practical stuff that he's given to us. I mean, how do you relate to Jesus right now? How do you relate to the resurrected Lord? Do I, do I relate him kind of just in my mind or, or do I have a real relationship with him? I gave you the word real here, R-E-A-L. Just what does it mean to have a real relationship with Jesus? Uh, first of all, recognize, recognize his presence everywhere. Recognize his presence is everywhere. You know, you, you feel his presence a lot of times at church. Um, I felt him when we were, as we were worshiping, I feel his presence here. You know, but do you feel God's presence at, at home? Do you feel his presence when you're at your job or uh, whatever responsibilities that you have that you feel like God's presence is, is with you? Um, you know, we can feel his presence. He is with us everywhere. That's the kind of relationship he wants us to have, to have a real relationship with Jesus. He's everywhere all the time. Notice, come and have some breakfast, says, enjoy his company with others. Enjoy his company with others. Here's these disciples, and they're sitting down having this little breakfast meal with Jesus. Um, you know, oh, I read all these books and all these commentaries. They just go crazy trying to figure out, what does this mean, him cooking breakfast? Well, let me just tell you what it means. It means that he wants you to have a relationship with Jesus with other people. He got these, you know, he didn't just have little one-on-ones with them. Even his conversation with Peter was not... Outside, he, Sometimes we see it kind of walking off to the side. But honestly, it doesn't say that. It just says he's having a conversation. Jesus loves us to have a relationship with him with other people. Nobody got excited about that, so let's see. <laughs> All right, that's why you came to church today, right? Yes. We came to church today because we, we come together. You know, we sing songs. Where else do you go sing songs? Nowhere. 
You sing them in your car to shower, or maybe you hum something in Hobby Lobby or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> no, we come here because we are enjoying Jesus together. You know, this, this place, yeah, you just can't miss church. You got, you got, you got to, you got to be in church. You got to, thanks for watching today. We got, you, you, you got to be a part of what God, he wants you to be with other people. You know, here we have Bible studies all over the place. We have, uh, not long ago, I figured it up and I was helping the lady that does, deals with all our accounting, Miss Becky. And, uh, we, we figured up that we had, at that moment, we had 52 small groups that were going on here. That's a bunch. Uh, I think it's grown. Uh, we continue, and we want more. I, I mean, I like to have a hundred. Um, you know what, what that means is that we think kids ought to be together with other kids and talk about Jesus. We think teenagers should be in groups in a, not only a youth group, but even in your small groups. Why? So that you have somewhere to talk about Jesus with some other friends. We have men's Bible studies. We have man church. We have glow. You know, man church, man church is a chance for a bunch of guys to get together and talk about Jesus. <laughs> That's what glow is next week. Why do we have a pastor to men and a pastor to women? What are all of us trying to do here? Because Jesus wants you to enjoy your relationship with him and grow and be prayed for and be loved by some other people. That's, that's what he's talking about right here. So I don't, I don't know. Now, most of you in here, you get it. Like you sign up for stuff and you go, you go to, some of you have not got that yet. <laughs> I understand. I'm not knocking you or anything. I'm, I know some of you got problems with little things and, you know, and some of you got excuses. I, I get all that. But whatever your age, whoever you are, Jesus invites you to breakfast. He invites you to sit down with some friends and to talk about him, to enjoy his presence. Man, that's one of the most exciting things you ever heard in the Bible, isn't it? It's just incredible. Jesus makes this, this invitation to it. And that's the A, recognize he's everywhere, enjoy his company with others. The A stands for accept, accept his invitation. Accept his invitation. You know, this invitation. You know, you get invitations at your house. The, the invitations that we get uh, in all kind of forms, they're probably one of three things. One is, I'm never going to that in the trash, <laughs> right? I have no desire to be a part of that. Number two is, um, if I have time, I might try to do that. If, if, if it works out, if I'm not too tired, I, I, I might try to go. That's number two. Number three is, I'm not missing that. It's on, the, it's on the board. It's on the refrigerator. I am not missing that. That's how you ought to respond to every invitation from Jesus. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that feeling when you, when you know he wants you to pray. It's, it's time to pray. And you know it. You feel it. You don't have to be in church. You can be anywhere. And you, when, when he pushes him, when he encourages you, then it's time to pray. Pray. When it's time to worship, you know, you get this sense of, uh, I, I need to be in church. I need to worship. I need to open my heart to him. I need to get my mind off myself. I need to accept that invitation. When he asks you to do something good, when he asks you to help someone, when he asks you to, to do something really positive, don't you think that's from Jesus? I mean, a few of y'all. You know, you, you, you just get it naturally. You know, you just naturally pray or naturally worship or naturally be nice to somebody. There's some of y'all 
You know, you, you got to, he's telling you to do it and he's offering you an invitation. Here's a moment. So a real relationship with Jesus recognizes his presence all around me, enjoys his company with others, accepts his invitation. And the last one is listen, listen to his leadership. Look to his leadership. Listen to what he has to say. He is offering us uh, help and encouragement. I'm sure that these guys eating fish and bread probably remembered the feeding of the 5,000 plus, right? Uh, I'm sure they remembered all of that. Maybe they remembered the bread and what they, how they ate together uh, in the upper room. We recognize that Jesus has something to say to us. Why would he cook breakfast? Why would he gather them together? Because he had something to say to them. And Jesus has something to say to you all the time, every day, throughout your walk with him, a real relationship with him where you know that Jesus has something to say to you. So we see him throw your nets on the other side, giving them his wisdom. Number two, come, and come to breakfast. When's the last time you went to breakfast with Jesus? Maybe right now as we're eating together the word of God. Number three, number three and four, they kind of go together. So I'm going to talk about one and then come to the, come to the last. Um, one of the things Jesus says to them is feed my lambs or feed my sheep. So you have this, this remarkable moment uh, where Jesus comes to Peter and uh, says three different times, do you love me? And he responds by saying, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. Uh, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Uh, take care of them. Um, Jesus has made a powerful difference in Peter's life. Would you agree with that? Transforming difference in his life. And Jesus makes a difference in us as he did in Peter so that you can make a difference in others' lives. He powerfully influences us so that we can influence others by his power within us. And he gives us those kind of priorities. See that word lambs. Do you know that you have the opportunity by God working through you to focus on yourself or to focus on helping others? How are you going to think about your life? How are you going to think about the people around you? Are you going to, how about this? Does your attitude, does your actions, does how you live your life move people closer to Jesus or further from Jesus? Are you a distraction to people in their relationship with Jesus? Are you a support and a help? Uh, he doesn't really leave a lot of room in the middle for that, one or the other. So how is my actions? How am I thinking? How am I acting? Does it move people closer to Jesus? Um, notice he says lambs. Do you know that you have some lambs in your life? Let's say that lambs are... Um, People not as close to God as they need to be. People that aren't saved yet. People that um, maybe are struggling with their faith. People that don't know Christ. So how is my life, my words, my choices affecting those people that Jesus sees as babes, lambs, people that still need to know him? Do you know what? As believers, if you're a believer in this room, it is so easy for you to mess somebody up because 
I decide that it doesn't matter what I do, how I live, how I speak. Jesus says, that's, that's, not, that's not the way I want this. I'm trying to give you purpose. Like I'm helping you with all these things that you're doing. I'm trying to make a difference in your life. You know, when you think about your, the forgiveness, the blessing, the help that God has been in your life, you know, all he says is just, just honor me in the way that you believe. Just honor me on the basis of what I have done for you. The forgive. That's what he's talking to Peter about. How could this possibly be because of the forgiveness that has been offered uh, to him? And then he talks about sheep, those that might be older or that, have, uh, that are more mature that we know in our life. How have we responded to them? Um, so, you know, one of the purposes of me being transformed is realizing that Jesus wants me to make a difference in the lives of others. The other day, I was with somebody and we were talking about all the things that have been happening and all these campuses and uh, what God is doing there. And, and so they just looked right at me and just said, like with this funny look on their face, they said, why are you like this? And I thought, wow, I don't know, really know what to say about that. And they were, um, they were just talking about... Um, you know, openness and kind of willingness to, to, do, to have these strategies and to try these things and to, to try to do what God has been asking us to do. And I, I sat there for a minute and I said, you know, I, and, and she was talking about um, how people are treated and how, how we deal with people. And I said, the only thing I can really think of is that I've been so dramatically impacted by what God did for me, that it has profoundly impacted how I treat other people. I mean, I can't get over it. You know, when I look at somebody, I think God created them. God loves them. God thinks as highly of them as he does of me. It's a little arrogant for me to start thinking that I'm somehow not to God. It's all the same. I say, you say, well, they don't behave, they don't do, I don't, I know, but to God, I think he loves them all the same. So why wouldn't I? Because the difference that he's made in me, part of the reason he did that is so that I would make a difference in these other people in my life, the lambs and to others that are growing or more or even more mature. Are you doing that? Have you made a decision like that? That your awareness, I'm, I'm telling you, what happened in John 21 changes everything. If you decide to think about it the way that he had it, and there's one more, there's a question. Look at this question. He asked it three times. He comes to, to Peter and he says three times, do you love me? Peter and Jesus, they're, they're around this fire. It's a translation that says a charcoal fire. Uh, do you know that Peter was just around another fire just, just a few days ago? One of those fires, he denied Christ. Another fire says, Lord, you know I love you. One of the charcoal fires, he denied Christ. One He's restored by Christ. Wow, it's amazing. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? Because maybe Peter had denied him three times and he sort of has a chance to take it back. I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
Why did he do it publicly? He did it publicly because he's encouraging Peter, even around his other disciples, to make it right, to declare his love for Jesus. Consider what he doesn't do. He doesn't try to make people, Peter feel guilty. He doesn't manipulate him publicly. He didn't ask him, are you really sorry for what you did? No, he doesn't say that. He simply asked him one question. Do you love me? See, here at the end of the book of John, he's showing that there are really three things, three qualifications for those who love and serve the Lord. The first is love. The second is love. And the third is love. Do you love him? He says. So overwhelming. I don't really know what was going on in there. You know, first thing that just strikes me is, why would Jesus ask a question like that? I thought it was Jesus' job to love me not my job to love him. For God so loved the world, right? We need him to be, we need his job to be loving me. I mean, I need to be taken care of. I need to be loved. But here he is. Do you love me? Man, it's such a vulnerable question, isn't it? You think about the this whole falling in love thing. I'm sure you've done it several times in your life. You fall in love with somebody. Oh, it messes up everything, doesn't it? Whatever you were doing, it's all changed. Your whole schedule's new. Everything's changed because you fell in love. That's what happens with Jesus. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would not only love you, but ask you, do you love me? Now, one time would have been enough, but he asked him three times. So I try to think, what, what, what's Jesus up to in here? And there's all kind of answers or speculations about it. I'll just give you one. You know, he says, um, do, do you love me? And Peter immediately, Lord, you know that I love you. Maybe he's thinking about the love that Peter has had for him. You know, Peter's been walking with him for three years and he said he loved him, but he still denied him. He still was all messed up. He was still spouting off at the mouth. So Jesus asked him again. Maybe this time he's really trying to get him to think, uh, do, you, do you love me? He said, well, Lord, I'm here, right? I mean, I showed up at church today. Isn't that good enough? I love you. But Jesus is thinking about more. Obviously. Ask him a third time. Maybe he's thinking about the love that Peter could have for him. I don't know where you are today. It'd be so easy for us to say, oh, that was just what he was talking about to Peter. But nope, he's asking you, do you love me? Not just how you used to love me. Maybe not even exactly where you are today. But do you have such a, you know, loving Jesus changes everything. You know, it might be a little scary to think about really loving Jesus. I didn't ask you if you love the church. 
I didn't ask you if you, if, if you love your grandma who was a Christian. I, I ask you the question he asked. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? This tore me up. I'm a pastor. I thought, check that box. Wouldn't let me off the hook. He's asking me to think about it. He really wants me to love him more. To not just kind of hang out where I am, but to deepen this love that I have for him. Let's stand up together. Uh, This whole message was about uh, having a meeting with Jesus. So let's have a meeting with Jesus right now. Um, I'd like you to think about how you're going to answer Jesus this morning when he asks you, do you love me? What's the level of your love for him? Only you know if there are barriers there, if there are struggles. Uh, We're going to open the altar here. Um, I I thought that there might be some of you that just want to come and tell him that you love him. Maybe you just want to run. Like if you're in the balcony, I'll wait for you. you. You can come. Or maybe you just need to pray about where you are in your love for Jesus. This, this is the last thing in the Gospel of John. This is the last thing that the Spirit said put in there. It, he asked him three times. It's got to be so critical to Jesus how you answer this question. Do you love him? I want to say I love you, Lord. I love you. I really, really love you, Lord. Would you make a decision about where you are? Would you talk to him about that before you leave here today? Uh, This altar is open. Kim's playing. If you just bow your head just for a moment. She's playing, I love you, Lord. We're not going to sing it yet. I just want you to have time. Just come. If God wants you to step out, just come right now. Uh, Come and have this moment with him. If you're not coming, I pray that you're thinking about it right now, reflecting on it. What do you you need to do today? How do you need to respond to him? He's not going to let you go. He's going to keep asking. He didn't have to ask but three times to Peter. He might have to ask you four, five, six times. I don't know. But whatever, he wants you to respond. He wants you to go from where you once were to this deep, meaningful love relationship with him. When you love Jesus, it changes everything. It changes where you go and who you hang out with and how you live your life and how you talk and how you treat the lambs and how you, how you deal with all the different situations. It changes everything. Do you cry out this morning to tell him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Anyone else, you need to come. Just give you another moment. Thank you. Thank you for this scripture and for helping us understand this story. I'm so moved by it. Lord, I don't want to stay in some shallow place in my love life with Jesus. I want to grow. We've all failed you. We've all denied you. We've all had difficulties. We've all been frustrated and ended up in ruts. Ask a simple question. 
today, Lord, we decide to deepen that love with you. As we see you help us in the different situations in our life, as we, as we hear that come to breakfast, and as we share that with our friends and those around us, as we, as we grow in what it means to walk with you, and as we feed the lambs and the sheep around us, as we allow your difference in us to make a difference in others, as we answer the question, do you love me? Today, I love you, Jesus. Would you just say that to him? Say it out loud. I love you, Jesus. Ready? I love you, Jesus. Say it again. I love you, Jesus. Lord, we want today to be a monumental day. Wherever we are, you meet us right there. As we reflect today, we tell you that we love you. We pray that you would remove barriers that hinder us in our walk with you. Maybe there's somebody in this room, Lord, that um, has never really put it together that they have this love for Jesus. Maybe today's the first day that they would say in their spirit, I love Jesus. I really love Jesus. Lord, thank you for that. Maybe there's some of us here, Lord, that need that restoring work that you did for Peter. We pray that you would help us receive that. I know that this priority is for every person in this room or that's watching online. Do you love me? Recognize that he is with you everywhere. And let's go out of here enjoying Jesus with others. God bless you.